Welcome to the Pro Economy Podcast, where we discuss water quality with industry experts. So please check us out at www.proeconomy.com, where you can find out more about our Orca copper and silver ionization system for the control of disease-causing bacteria such as Legionella and Pseudonomus. If water hygiene is an issue, then please reach out. We hope you enjoy. Okay, so Jonathan Waggett, thank you so much for joining us um, here for a Pro Economy podcast. Um, you're such an expert on taps um, and you know issues at the outlet. We just wanted you to get you in just to talk you know very quickly about um, various kind of changes in the market space, about taps, about TMVs, and about issues that are occurring at the outlet. Um, so first things first, um, how do you feel the market has changed in the last ten years? Well, a lot more information is now known uh, about how taps and showers can infect patients now. That really, I think, is one of the biggest differences. So, for example, we know now that um, taps create large amounts of aerosol, particularly when the water hits both the hands whilst they're being washed uh, and also um, the basin itself. Uh, in tests, for example, that we've done and, uh, and others have done, we know that uh, contaminated water can splash up to two metres away. Um, and that lands on everything from uh, patients to patient beds, um, through to um, drug preparation trolleys, um, through to really anything that is surrounding the, the wash basin and the clinical area. And this then in turn can spread that infection um, directly to patients, uh, for example with uh, drug preparation. Um, patients can ingest those drugs um, in an, in, even in a different room. Um, and, and it's been proven that that can happen. Well, so they can actually in, in, ingest the drug just from that aerosol? In yeah, a, in so... In a completely different area. Exactly. So, for example, if the tap's got Pseudomonas wow. aeruginosa, um, that Pseudomonas aeruginosa is contained within the water. Um, that aerosol containing the Pseudomonas aeruginosa then lands onto the drug prep um, tray uh, and onto the drugs themselves and then can be ingested by the patient literally in that room or any other room. And that's how pseudonymous will spread throughout a ward and spread throughout... It's, throughout it's certainly one of the ways uh, and, and, and it's one of the ways that really wasn't known before. Um, you know, it, it was thought that it was more to do with um, people actually using the taps um, and the clinical basins themselves but we now know that's not, not necessarily the case. Uh, in addition to that, you've got um, retrograde contamination of taps, which again um, uh, wasn't really that well known before. Um, this is where um, someone's hands actually touch the outlet, or for example, a cleaner touches the outlet with a contaminated cloth, uh, and that bacteria is then um, taken up into the tap uh, and spreads throughout the outlet, can spread throughout the spout and also the tap itself. So it's no longer just about pathogens being transferred from the water supply in the hospital through to the tap or shower, but it's also very much about uh, what happens from the outside in as well. And you would just, uh, assume that you know, kind of, you know, normal kind of hygiene is such an important aspect of, of, of you know, you know, stopping the contamination of pseudonymus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but also taps have to be, and showers themselves, have to be designed to try to um, both reduce the instances of this happening um, and also um, to allow them to be cleaned and disinfected correctly. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, so what has been the most challenging issue um, that you've found when visiting a site? 
Well, um, it's true to say that a few years ago, uh, manufactured, uh, manufacturers only visited really the estates teams within the hospitals. And this was prior to the water safety groups being set up. Yeah. Um, since the water safety groups have been in place, um, obviously now um, decisions um, and risk assessments, for example, surrounding taps and showers uh, are now not just a responsibility of the estates um, department, but also a collective responsibility across many different functions in the hospital, including, of course, infection control uh, and microbiology. And what we found is that um, previous to, you know, before this actually happened, the infection control team, because they hadn't been informed really by the manufacturers of the different features and benefits of the TAPs, they didn't really understand what was available. And they didn't sometimes realise that there are special clinical TAPs available um, for those very important clinical areas. Um, and I've seen a change in that now happening since um, the water safety groups uh, have come about in that manufacturers are now also very much seeking out uh, and um, helping to educate um, uh, the infection control and microbiologists as well. And that is no bad thing at all. Um, so what are the problems that you found with a variety of taps? What do you think are the pros and cons of each of these taps? And what should you look for if I was an estates person making a decision on which tap to buy? Okay, so the very um, most important thing first of all is that you select the right tap uh, and shower for the right application. So I've already mentioned that there are special taps for clinical areas um, and um, sometimes what I see when I'm visiting the trusts is still that um, sometimes they have taps or showers which uh, are not specially designed for clinical areas in the clinical areas themselves. Yeah. Um, and these, these taps that are, that, are, that are designed, for example, for clinical areas um, have very special features that you won't see in other taps. So, for example, um, they will often allow disinfection with heat, with the full hot water. Um, they'll also um, be able to withstand uh, chemical disinfection, whereas um, standard taps will have parts, plastic parts and things, which won't withstand that, uh, that chemical attack. Uh, and degrade very quickly, for example. Also, we have um, now, um, over the last few years, seen uh, clinical taps that have come out that can be taken apart. So the outlets can be taken off, the um, spouts can be taken off, and in fact, the whole tap can be very easily uh, be disassembled and, the, and importantly, autoclaved. Um, and by autoclaving these taps, it's been proven that this is one way you can remove biofilm and, for example, you can get rid of Pseudomonas aeruginosa um, in the tap. So it's very important that um, the, the, the right taps are used uh, and for clinical areas, it's important that they have those very, very special features. Fantastic, fantastic. And um, this kind of brings us nicely on to um, a bit of a hot topic um, within the infection control kind of you know, water hygiene world. Um, so what's your opinion on TMVs? Well, first of all, it's it, it, the most important thing uh, when we're talking about TMVs and when we're talking about any taps and showers uh, is the protection of patients. Yeah. That is ultimately what it's all about. Um, and that is therefore the thing that you have to consider and you have to do an appropriate risk assessment. Now, unfortunately, we're out, we are in a situation today that we, we know that um, there are TMVs out there which are colonized with bacteria. Um, and that could be down to uh, plastic parts that are within the TMVs, also quite complex uh, internals uh, and internal shapes that are in there, which um, can lead to an encouragement of biofilm growth. Um, so we're actually at a point, I think, uh, within the trust now that 
unfortunately, they've got a trade-off to make uh, and they've got a compromise that the, and decision they've got to make on that. And that is, um, do they um, prioritise infection control um, or do they prioritise um, the risk of scalding? And so that is ultimately what the new guidance is saying, that a risk assessment has to be done. For sure, where you've got full body immersion, so for example with showering and bathing, um, because the, uh, the risk um, of scalding is so high there, um, and, and patients can't really do anything about that, they can't get out of the bath quickly, they can't get out of the shower quickly if they're exposed to the very hot water. In those cases, I think at the moment, it's still appropriate to use TMVs. In other areas, um, again, a risk assessment has to be done. For example, how often uh, or how um, open are these areas to um, patients using these taps, or are they really only ever going to be used by staff where you have training and clear signage in place um, and therefore massively reduce the risk of scalding. And in those situations, it might be appropriate to, uh, to fit a tap without a TMV. However, there is still a problem, and that problem is that uh, if you look at um, the taps and showers available from the manufacturers at the moment, um, a lot of the non-TMV taps, in fact pretty much all of them, um, don't have the special clinical features that are needed. Um, they don't have, for example, um, uh, the ability to take them apart and autoclave them. They have lots of plastic parts included in them quite often, um, and some of them won't withstand the chemical attack that's, that's needed to chemical de chemically disinfect the taps and showers. So the worst thing that I think you can do is to take a TMV out and put a tap in its place or a shower in its place that doesn't have these special features because you're just going to in increase probably the risk of pathogen buildup and biofilm buildup um, and you're also going to increase the risk of scalding. So very careful consideration has to take place as to what you actually put in. And I think that moving forward the manufacturers um, have really got to work on non-TMV taps that are clinical and include all these special features. Brilliant. So it's a much more kind of holistic approach to eat every single outlet yeah. um, and thinking about every single outlet and making sure that you know the modality that you put in for that outlet is, is correct. That's right. Um, and you know, talking about that, you know, there, there is an educational kind of side to that. And what sort of training do you think sites should be given? And are there any courses that you know which uh, you'd recommend? So um, basically, uh, the, the people within the trusts, and we've touched on this um, a, a few minutes ago, the people within the trusts need um, to be educated in what's available. So they need to clearly understand from the manufacturers what taps and what showers are available, what are the special features and benefits that those have, so that they can choose and select the right uh, products for the right areas. So for example, if it's a staff area, then it might be perfectly fine to have, uh, for example, a, a touch-free tap um, or, or to have a tap with a, with a shorter lever which you can open and close with your hands. Um, whereas um, in a clinical area, you really need to have those special clinical taps. Uh, and so have, you know, educating them on that and giving them all the information so that they can make an informed decision is really crucial. Uh, and I think some of that um, training has to be down to the manufacturers and I know that a number of the manufacturers um, can provide very good training um, in those areas and especially obviously on the taps that they supply. Um, but also organisations such as the Water Management Society have um, uh, 
things in place to, uh, and events and conferences and also training in place to, to be able to impart this knowledge as well. So I think it's really important that the people involved in the water safety teams and the trusts um, actively seek out um, the, this training and, and this education. Fantastic. Um, and finally, just as a, you know, we provide a copper and silver ionisation solution. Um, and separate from that, you know, copper and silver is being used in numerous different, um, you know, specifications and numerous different products. Um, have you seen copper and silver being used in taps and showers? Yes, and increasingly so, actually, over the, over the years. Um, and I think that is also down to testing that the manufacturers themselves have done. I was involved with, with some uh, when I worked for Armitage Shanks. Uh, and that really, that testing on different materials has shown um, that, uh, that materials such as copper and silver really can provide an antimicrobial effect. Um, and so, first of all, many manufacturers now for healthcare um, will recommend the use of copper pipe um, within uh, the, the, the hospital um, and to connect copper pipe directly up to their products so they will actively produce products to take that copper pipe very easily. Secondly, um, with my previous company again, um, we produced a special open outlet um, which had a copper lining to it which we know has been very effective. Um, and, uh, and also we're seeing now um, an increased use of silver additives, not necessarily in taps and showers at the moment, but we are seeing them in other items of sanitary wear, such as uh, wash basins uh, and also toilets for use in clinical areas. So definitely it's on the increase for sure. Well, that's a fantastic thing. Um, well, I'd like to take this opportunity just to thank you. Uh, thank you for your time. Um, that has been incredibly informative. Um, so thank you very much, uh, Jonathan Waggett. Thank Brilliant. you.